Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ninety six FM and C one hundred three. The Arts House. While I put my life on hold, waiting round for you. And now you sail the seven seas, and what am I to do? And do you think of me out there? Are you coming home, or did you pack a single care and setting out alone? Ground, but the waters that you sail upon might tear you limb from limb. So God bless the boat you built yourself and all who sail with From time to time, building myself a boat and setting out to find your boy. We take two ships afloat, and I think of you there, bobbing like a cork upon the sea. Oh, are you dead or living, boy? Won't you come on back to me? That is the sound there of of Emma Langford. And I love that particular track. That's called Sailor's Wife. It's taken, of course, from her album Sewing Acorns. And Emma is such an engaging guest. Like, it was fantastic to have her chatting to us about that album when it was released first. And we went down through a whole load of songs in it. But it's all linking into a little theme of the sea this morning. Yeah, because sea shanties, for some reason or other, have become very, very popular, particularly on TikTok. This was an interesting tune that came from Scotland, wasn't it? Yes, and some guy called Luke the Voice came across this sea shanty on TikTok and decided he'd harmonise with it because, of course, that's one of the things that everybody loves doing is duetting and taking all sorts of things up to another level. And they made a fantastic sound together and it went completely viral. And when you hear it, you'll understand why. 
Once was a ship that put to sea, the name of the ship was a belly of tea. The winds blew up her bow, dipped down below, my belly boys blow. Soon may the weatherman come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. One day when the tonguing is done, we'll take our leave and go. She had not been two weeks from shore when down on her a right whale bore. The captain called all hands and swore he'd take that whale and tow. Soon may the weatherman come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. One day when the tonguing is done, we'll take our leave and go. Before the boat had hit the water, the whale's tail came up and caught her hand to the side, harpooned and fought her when, when she died down low. Soon may the weatherman come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. One day when the tonguing is done, we'll take our leave and go. Soon may the weatherman come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. One day when the tonguing is done, we'll take our leave and go. One day when the tonguing is done, we'll take our leave and go. Well, the number of mixes that have taken place online with that is just unbelievable. But not only that, the um, original guy who started singing that particular sea shanty to which everyone started adding their harmonies and their very bass lines. That's Luke the Voice threw in the real deep bass and that. The original guy is a guy called Nathan Evans. Yeah. And he was a postman. <laughs> and as a result of singing that sea shanty and getting the whole thing, he's now got a record deal. <laughs> They just went absolutely viral worldwide on TikTok. Now, I know everyone and his wife is on TikTok and Snapchat and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And how we're getting any work done, I just don't know. I was trying to avoid TikTok. I did it in lockdown one and I thought, okay, that's it. Not getting sucked back into that wormhole again. There's no escape. Judy Dench was actually talking about it during <laughs> the week with her grandson who's in Listen, lockdown with her. They're doing their own TikToks together now in the garden. She's so groovy on TikTok, yeah, I yeah. have to say, like a fair play to her. So look, lads, if you can't beat them, join them. But speaking of sea shanties, our lads in Cove were at yeah. it long before Nathan Evans ever picked up his post bag in the sorting office. So we really, really miss these guys and we loved being able to have choirs here in studio with us. And we had the whole gang of the Mulgoggers from Cove in studio singing this one. Heave-ho, heave-ho, up aloft and stow me hearties. Put a good harbour stowiner. I heard, I heard the old man say, John Kanakanakatula, Today, today is a holiday. John Kanakanakatula, Tula, yay, oh, Tula, John Kanakanakatula, We'll work tomorrow and all work today. John Kanakanakatula, For today, today is a holiday. John Kanakanakatula, Tula, yay, oh, Tula, John Kanakanakatula, We're hard hackers, us sailors bold. John Kanakanakatula, We're a handsome crew, so I've been told. John Kanakanakatula, Tula, yay, oh, Tula, John Kanakanakatula, I heard, I heard the old man say, John Kanakanakatula, today, today is a holiday. John Kanakanakatula, Tula, yay, oh, Tula, John Kanakanakatula, my God, and I heard them sing that live as well in Cork Opera House, and they brought the house down with that particular one. So I want to say a big hello to the Mulgoggers in Cove, our own local sea shanty group. That's taken from an album of theirs called Absolutely Marvellous. And indeed they are. I want to say hello especially to one of them, Michael Martin, who would be very well known in Cove as well as a tour guide. He's taken so many people out to 
Spike Island and all sorts around Cove. And he would have been, I suppose, one of those guys who does a lot of uh, different jobs in his life. Also a member of the Naval Service. But on his Facebook page, actually, before Christmas, I know I spotted him uploading lots of lovely little history videos and that sort of thing. So watch this space. Michael could very yeah. well yet be doing a little walking visual tours around the place and he'd be a great, great guy to do it. Now, I suppose one of the things that you have there, we were talking about that guy, Nathan Evans, who has left his job as a postman and now has a record deal uh, as a result of singing on TikTok. It's never too late to change careers, you know, and there's never anything that says just because you started doing one thing, but your heart is always in another that you can't switch. Why not? Life is short, guys, and you have to do what fills your soul and makes you happy. I know, pay the bills. Yeah, we got that. But if you can manage to kind of incorporate things, you should. Like, have you dreams of being a writer, for example? Have you someone in your family who's amazing at making up stories for the kids or who just captivates them? Well, this is perfect for them. Sarah Webb is a hugely successful author and writer and another one of my favourite Twitter accounts to follow, actually. And she has written 11 best-selling books for adults and her books have been republished internationally from Poland and Canada to Indonesia, even Korea. And she gives workshops. She writes reviews for newspapers. She's a programmer for Molly, which is, of course, the Museum of Literature in Ireland. But besides all of that, she is herself a fantastic author of children's books as well. Yeah, I remember you raving about Sarah Webb back in March. And I know you've bought her books as presents for our nieces and nephews down through the years as well. So it was no surprise that when an email arrived from the West Cork Literary Festival telling us that Sarah was involved in a webinar for new writers this week, that Elmarie hopped on the phone to chat about the possibilities. Absolutely. Sarah, the very first time we talked in terms of COVID and all that sort of thing was right at the beginning of the very first lockdown last year because no sooner was the school hub up and running and nearly that first week you were out of the blocks as well giving little writing prompts and we chatted about that writing series that you got people going on sort of in the first week when we all thought everyone was going to be at home just for a short period and we were looking for things to keep the children occupied. Little did you know then what was going to be coming for the whole year since. I know. Extraordinary, isn't it? Yes, definitely. I mean, I did kind of throw myself into it at the beginning with the creative bursts. But I was very lucky in that I got the support of Molly, who funded uh, me to produce those, which I think is wonderful because I'm a huge advocate of, of paying the artist for their time and their mm-hmm. expertise and their work. Um, but yes, little did I know I'd be back at it this season. We have another series of five up on the Molly website and they come out every Wednesday. But it has been extraordinary. And I know uh, Maria is a primary school teacher. The, the teachers have been doing terrific work. And we're all learning every day. You know, every day is a learning day for as adults and also for children and parents and carers and everyone's doing their best. But I think it has become a marathon rather than a sprint. And mm-hmm. I, I think everyone is getting a little bit weary, but we just, you know, we have to kind of support each other and hang in there for another little while. And in terms of running that marathon, like somebody like you, you have so many different adaptive skills that you're able to share and (laughs) apply in various situations. So you have been doing all of that support of children directly. You've also been teaching online. You've also been supporting teachers. And presumably, as an author, you can't let the writing get lost in that either. How has your practice been going? Yeah, no, my creative practice is very important to me. What I found during last kind of March, April, May, was I was finding it very difficult to concentrate on writing fiction because like everyone's, my brain had gone into monkey brain mode and it was jumping all over the place and worrying and, you know, sleep patterns disrupted. I wasn't even able to concentrate on reading fiction. But over the summer, I was able to take some time away from the screens away from teaching online and in July and August I wrote a uh, book for age 9 to 12 called The Little Beekeeper of Henrietta Street and that will come out hopefully all being well in the autumn. So I'm quite careful of my creativity. I would carve out time Monday and Tuesday as usually my writing days and Wednesday morning and I do things like I go on walks, I keep my eyes open, I listen to really inspirational podcasts I try and read around things that interest me and and things 
I did a lot of reading about beekeeping, which is fascinating and not something I'd encountered before. So I think just I've minded myself by getting outside nature, walking, yoga. I do a lot of yoga and looking after my creativity. You see, I know I know if you actually went down through the list, right? There's going to be way more than that even still on the thing. But I, I love the fact that you <laughs> ended up learning about beekeeping. I have a friend yeah. who's very, very knowledgeable about beekeeping, Declan Wolf, who sometimes contributes to the show here. Ah. And in fact, Connor's cousin, when we were in lockdown, was also part of the team who were minding the bees on top of St. Wow. John's College in the middle of Cork City, which I think is just amazing. It is incredible. It is amazing. What a fantastic story. Looking forward to that now, later in the autumn. <laughs> and we'll you. definitely cover it, both from a radio and school point of view. But speaking of school and particularly children, you know, we've had so much talk in the media with the last couple of days about children and their development and all the rest of it one of the most important things anybody can do for children is read to them and that yes. world of writers for children is such a special world these are the people who create the lands to which we travel the friends that we read under the covers with a torch you want to settle a child in the night time you settle down with a teddy and you settle down with a book and you come together and children's books ireland is a national books organization that not very many people would be familiar with. Can you tell us a little bit about their activities? It's interesting. I've been involved with them now for, gosh, I hate to say it, uh, 26, 27 years, nearly 30 years. And they started out as a voluntary organization set up by teachers, librarians, publishers, writers. And they are now an Arts Council funded organization. I think they have around 11 or 12 full-time staff and part-time staff and their whole aim is to help encourage every child to be a reader so their kind of mission statement is every child a reader so they support writers new and emerging writers and illustrators and they support teachers librarians they support the adults I suppose who are the gatekeepers to the world of children's books because um, young children don't encounter books without adults help So their kind of mission is to try and reach children by supporting and encouraging adults to share books with children. And as you said, reading to children is so important. And I think during the lockdown, the parents and teachers and educators have realized how much strength and comfort there is in a good story. A lot of people have gone back to reading children which is lovely. Yes and it doesn't matter whether you're going to sit down with a picture book and they're great at any age or whether children are being able to progress themselves into chapter books both of which are incredibly important fields in the area of writing for children and I suppose feeding into that then when I saw that there was this webinar coming up spearheaded through the West Cork Literary Festival my heart jumped because I know somebody who is both a wonderful storyteller and an incredible illustrator. And I forwarded her the details of this webinar straight away saying, you have to do this, you have to do this. So I really, (laughs) really hope she will. Because you're having, and you're part of the team who is delivering a very, very detailed, considering the amount of time it's being packed into, seminar for people who are interested in writing or illustrating or both for children. With myself and Children's Books Ireland, Aoife Murray in particular, who's the Programme and Events Manager in Children's Books Ireland, we're just talking about how many emails and how many messages we were getting from people um, in the autumn, winter, and now um, so much in January, looking for information about writing, illustrating, getting published. And a lot of them were, were new to the field. So we really wanted to provide something that was very hands-on, that was very practical and that they would have a kind of guidance as to how to get started. Mm -hmm. So we're really going back to basics. We're going to talk about word count, how many words should be in a picture book, you know, uh, early readers, you know, word count for early readers, early chapter books. And we're also going to talk about the process of getting published from a very early stage. So we have two authors, Ashwin Jacko and Caroline Tracy, who are both they self-published their first books and they're going to talk a little bit about that as well because for some people the traditional publishing route is one side of it and self-publishing we want to explain the difference between the two and also to encourage people 
to write a book maybe for their grandchild, mm. their niece, their nephew, you know, as a really, really lovely thing to do during the lockdown. It doesn't have to be an international bestseller like Artemis Fowl, perhaps, but you can create something really special and magical for the children in your life. And that's really the message that we'd like to get across, that writing and producing stories and full books is an amazing thing to do. And we'd like to help people to do that. Absolutely. And I also think, though, that possibly during lockdown is when some people might have said, you know, I had a latent interest in writing books or they finally had the time to write something or tease out an idea. But the fact that you have a number of people, for example, Grania Clear is the commissioning editor from Walker Books and every house has a picture book from Walker Books. You've Matthew Parkinson Bennett from Little Island Books. You've Princess Okinowo. Well done, yeah. Yeah, Princess is the editorial administrator at O'Brien Press. At O'Brien Press. She's really interesting because when you send a manuscript into O'Brien Press, Prin is the one who reads it, the very, very first person. And then she passes on when she sees um, something original or something that Mm. they can work with on to the editors. So she is that very first gatekeeper into the publishing world. So I think Prin will be very interesting. Yeah. There you have it. You have three publishing houses as well as an agency in London all taking part in this. Like, that is an investment of their time and their energy in the idea of there being new writers out there with gems to share for children because I suppose a lot of the things that people would say to you is getting an agent is hard how do you break in and there's this perception of the publishing houses possibly being closed shops or that it takes a certain amount of luck or pull to get in and yet here you have these houses and agents who are saying no now is the time and like isn't it exciting to think that this could lead to an explosion of new authors and new stories and new adventures and a, a new wave of writing for children. Absolutely. I mean, I, Philippa Milne-Smith, who is the managing director of the Soho Agency in London, she used to be the uh, managing director of Puffin Books. She's actually my agent. And I contacted her and said, Philippa, can you suggest an agent who's looking for new Irish talent? And she said, I am. I'm always open to new Irish talent. And I'd like to give my time to this. So I, I thought it was a lovely kind of validation of Irish writing. She represents um, Chris Riddell, she represents um, Lauren Child. Like she has an extraordinary <laughs> a stable of writers, but she's still looking for new Irish talent, which I thought was lovely. And I think it is a mark of just how respected Irish writers are that international agents are very much looking for Irish talent. And Grony Clear, who is one of the commissioning editors in Walker Books, as you say, that little bear that's on, uh, we're going on a bear hunt or on mm. Martin Modell, Owl Babies, uh, Walker are synonymous with brilliant children's books. So Gronje is Irish, originally lives in Dublin, originally worked in Little Island. So she's a wealth of information in her head and she's only too happy to share it. So no, we're very, very lucky to have um, such an amazing panel and I do hope that people will come along. It's a webinar. You can watch it from your own living room, your own kitchen. And um, I think it's quite reasonable at €25. We were trying to make it nice and reasonable so that a wide um, range of people could attend. It's next Saturday, the 30th of January from 10am in the morning. You'll be over by maybe just mid lunchtime on Zoom and tickets for that are 25 euro. People can get all of the details on the West Cork Literary Festival website, which is, of course, linked through westcorkmusic.ie as always. Sarah, the best of luck with that, but particularly the best of luck now with your next new book for children coming out in the autumn. We'll look forward to talking about that again. And I have no doubt I'm going to see you popping up in the school hub or I'm going to see you popping up on Twitter <laughs> with more stuff for teachers and families and parents in the meantime still. Thanks so much. Oh, Thank you, Anne-Marie, and, and continued good luck to all the teachers and to all the radio presenters who I think have been doing a terrific job in keeping spirits up over the last few months. So thank you. Cork's 96 FM and C103. The Arts House with Griffin's Potatoes Cork. Fresh, flowery and full of taste. It's at the root of what we do. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. <laughs>
And that is the sound there of Yvonne, Carey, Philpott and her single Overcome. Now, I'd say in the background somewhere there is her better half, Joe Philpott. And that kind of reminds me of the White Horse, the White Horse Guitar Club. And I really miss the lads and the live gigs. But I've been told that they are still very busy upstairs recreating the space as a kind of an online space and it's still giving concerts. In fact, 17 shows have been put together. I was talking to Brian O'Glanby, who's an independent producer, a great technician, film documentary maker and all that. He's been working away very hard with the lads in the White Horse upstairs, getting the studio ready in, in the space so that they can film and stream all the gigs that are coming up. And they're this is part of the live venue collective that's been brought together. We did a piece maybe before Christmas. You might remember the Barrows and Collins were doing their own series of concerts as well. And they're up and running as well. But in about a week's time, the White Horse will be streaming their concerts live. So hopefully I'll get one of the two Joes, either Joe Carey or Joe Philpot, to have a chat about the 17 events that are coming our way from the west end of Ballincollig. And I know that many of those concerts are already in the bag. Um, they've been produced, they've been recorded they were I suppose put together between the lockdowns is when they managed to do it and I know mm. Joe has been talking for many years about streaming and filming upstairs it's a gem of a little venue of course in his heart yeah. all of that kind of stuff from his days way 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 back in the lobby and everything would have been part and parcel of his DNA so it's just fantastic to see stuff like that coming up so you should definitely check out The White Horse on Facebook and on Twitter and Instagram I think is also where they're going to be uh, giving more details of those concerts coming up in fact there's so much actually happening for example the Arts Council are open currently for their bursary awards which are up to €20,000 supporting art to develop their practice. That particular closing date is this week and I know it's exciting to see what can still be created in the fields of architecture and film and writing and visual artists and musicians and traditional artists and so much more. I mean, these facilities and these schemes are open and it's fantastic also to see what's happening on the ground. I know that Cork Chamber were involved in hosting and bringing together a fantastic webinar online this week focused on arts and culture in Cork City, you know, which was which was really, really wonderful and attended by so, so many with wonderful speakers lined up from all aspects of arts administration and festivals and that sort of thing in Cork as well. And so there's loads happening. There's still lots happening. For example, Kirkadurka, despite the fact that we can't get together uh, in Triscoll, they are still having their theatre and development centre running with online residencies and support for practitioners who are writing at the moment. So despite the fact that everything's in lockdown, they are moving online with all of that. So it's just brilliant. Now, are you finding it impossible to buy a book or even borrow a book from a friend or anything like that just because it's just too difficult at the moment? Well, BorrowBox is the answer because if you go to CorkCityLibraries.ie, you'll find out more about BorrowBox. I did it myself about two, three months ago. Got myself and Elmarie basically registered. You just send in your email so they can send you back a number. Even if you're not a full member, all you have to do is just prove you live in either Cork City or Cork County. Send in your email and they'll give you a temporary number if you need it. And that get you registered with BorrowBox and then you can just basically borrow a book for yourself online um, it's like having an e-reader and there you go, read it, you've got like 30-40 days to read it and it'll kind of keep give you a reminder when you've got 3 or 4 days left to finish and hurry up or you can renew it for another couple of weeks exactly as if you were going chance. into the library yeah and exactly. literally just get stamped again for another couple of weeks so borrow and box it's free. is absolutely and totally free and it means you don't have to go into the library or rob a book from somebody else's library <laughs> <laughs> Another person we want to mention this morning and just pass on our congratulations, even though I know he's not actually listening today, is Tom Creed. Yes, indeed. Now, some people might remember Tom Creed. I do, going way back to the time of Ali Robertson in the, gran- the Granary. When that would have been when Tom was still in UCC Dramat. Yes, when Dramat had <laughs> With Donald Gallagher and a whole group of them at the Sun. Fantastic yeah. directors that all came out together. What a year that it was. It was well, a brilliant uh, era in UCC. Yeah. Well, it's no surprise that Tom has now become kind of an international director in his own right. In fact, he's tweeted during the week, he just said, just arrived in Ghent. It's almost unbelievable to be travelling for work again, but one flight, three trains, 
vaccines and three COVID tests later. I'm excited to be here for the next three weeks to create a new production of the opera Private View with Music Theatre Transparent and the International Opera Academy. Outstanding. Uh, Just outstanding. It's great. And great congratulations to, to Tom on that. And we'll be looking forward to hearing and seeing what kind of work comes out of that. Okay, shall we move on then to our next guest? Um, because this is sort of a little revision of a, again, another little series that we've been going through, isn't it? Yeah, because last week in the programme, we introduced you to a history lesson told through the medium of true love, or rather, Scaelta Grána Heron, where the loves and lives of six Irish couples are told over six episodes on Wednesday nights on TG Car. Famous Irish couples. Now, if you've missed the first couple, you can watch them, of course, back on the TG Car player. And last Wednesday saw, oh my God, the most amazing story of Robert Emmett and Sarah Curran as they struggled against endless obstacles placed before them by both their families and history. Now, this week, we're going to see another struggle against the odds. It's the fateful love story of Oscar Wilde and his youthful Bosie. So, Connor caught up again with the series writer and director, Cork's Paddy O'Shea. Paddy, we're going to have to rename the programme The History House because the Arts House doesn't apply anymore. Because I am starting to learn more and more about Irish history as a result of various programmes that have come to our attention on the show. Over the last 40-odd weeks, I've learnt about the history of art in Ireland. And ironically, part of the journey that you took on Wednesday involved a character that I've kind of bumped into on my journey through art. And that was a barrister, a judge, a politician. He was known as the master of the roles and a man called Phil Pot Curran. And it was his daughter and the man that she bumped into at a harp recital that caused an awful lot of hoo-ha in the Phil Pot Curran household. <laughs> it, it sure did, yeah, my goodness. Our story from Stilt Grana Heron last Wednesday, just Wednesday just gone, was yeah. Robert Emmett and Sarah Curran. Yeah. It's on the TG Carr player right now. If, if anyone has missed it and wants to see it, especially after this chat we're going to have, you'll definitely want to go watch it. Brilliant. John Philpott Curran, he was a complicated character. Yeah. In fairness, he was a very popular man in public. He was a very powerful and famous orator and speaker and he uh, actually a historian on our show calls him a crypto-Catholic meaning that he was he might have been a Protestant out walking around by day but he worked so hard for Catholic emancipation and Catholic rights and, and defending Catholics that uh, they thought that he was leading that way but his daughter was this young girl who captured the heart of the patriot Robert Dennis yeah fell madly in love with her and when Philpott Curran found this out. He basically told the family, don't let Robert Emmett into the house. An extraordinary tale. I don't want to give too much away. There's a couple of outstanding moments, or standout moments even. One of them was the present, the love present that he gave Sarah Curran. The, uh, the harp-shaped brooch yeah. that is currently in the uh, public museum in Cork, in Fitzgerald Park. We went in there and we found this little brooch in the shape of a harp with green emeralds, white pearls, the green, white and gold, yeah. essentially, of the Irish flag. Yeah. But yeah. the little brooch, it is so small, it's so delicate, it's about the size of a two-euro coin. Wow. And, of course, it's, it's, it's that little piece that's still existent that gives us a link back to Robert yeah. and Sarah and their yeah. love story, you know? That's great. Amazing. Yeah. And the, the other thing that caught my eye was how young they were. They really were just, you know, it's, it's like the, the path of true love never runs smoothly. Like, and in their <laughs> case, I know, if it wasn't for parents, like, you know, this is, this is the thing I found common between last week's episode and the one that we're going to talk about next. If people, <laughs> if lovers were just left to their own, it would have been a different story. But it was the interference of others, particular daddy. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there's that significant similarity between the two stories in that the big powerful father stepped in and said, hold on a second, I'm not happy with this. Yeah. And suddenly there's lots of drama and it doesn't all end well, unfortunately. No. For, for, not for everybody, anyway. Yeah. But Robert Emmett and Sarah Curran, they truly were star-crossed lovers. You know, they were so young and he was trying to do so much, trying to achieve so much. I think he had so many ideals. Maybe he took maybe he took on too much. Maybe he bit off more than he could chew, you know. He certainly packed an awful lot into a very, very short life. Yes, indeed. And of course, I forgot all about the historical effect that he had, particularly with that last speech that he gave from the dock and how that kind of just echoed through world history. Yes, indeed. Yeah. I mean, we don't mention it in the show because obviously we only have a certain amount of time and it's yep. one... One person it influenced is Winston Churchill's fight them on the beaches, yep. fight them in the fields. There is a piece of Robert Emmett's oration from the dock where he talks about people were saying to him, oh, you know, you're just going to line with the French and the French are going to come in and take over Ireland. And he said, no, if the French come, 
we will meet them on the beaches, we'll meet them in the fields. And it, it, it's <laughs> so close to what Churchill said. So you can see how it echoed there as well. But of course, you know, great people, great speeches, they take from where they need to and, uh, you know, you steal from the best. <laughs> well, that's it, you know. Well, there was a once a saying, what's the secret of genius? Never reveal your sources, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay. So, moving on to Oscar Wilde and Alfred Douglas, also known as Bosey. How Alfred Douglas's dad got in the way of their story. You begin the yeah. story next Wednesday with a photograph. Yes, indeed. The famous portrait. Oscar Wilde commissioned a photographer in Oxford to take a picture of himself and his beau. <laughs> he yeah. loved it. Yeah. Lord Alfred Douglas, Bosey. Oscar Wilde had his picture taken in a studio in Oxford and it was risky at the time because it was in Victorian England, in the Victorian society, whatever you did behind closed doors in the secret of your own life was fine. And whatever you wanted to do, just do it, just don't talk about it and don't show it. But yeah. once you started to show your tendencies towards an alternative life, then you were in trouble. And so the photograph, while it was, you know, two men, could have been just two friends, you know, having um, a photograph together, it also could be seen as two lovers, and especially with Wilde's arm around Bosey, and Wilde being that bit older as well, of course, than the very young Bosey, then it could have been seen in a way that drew attention and maybe unwanted yeah. negative attention to the relationship and was quite risky. But I think maybe Wilde knew that things were going to go down a dangerous or maybe not work out the way that he wanted. And maybe this was something he needed to have a, mem a memory of this relationship that he maybe knew himself in his own mind that it wasn't going to last. And whatever, anyway, it was instrumental in the outcome. I was just having a thought about what we had here, and you're describing it, is a clash between two philosophies, two ways of looking at the world. One was that of the Victorians, and the other one was of the artistic, the aesthetic. What, what Wilde was so good at, and his success was based on were his plays that mocked and was basically a satire on Victorian uh, lifestyle and the Victorian society and he got away with that because he made them laugh at themselves and they didn't even realise they were laughing at themselves and by putting the satire and the humour in there he yeah. was getting away with mocking the society but it was when it came to a point where he, he started to let it go too far and when people off, off stage in his public life when it started yeah. to become public yeah. and people started to hear what was really going on they were mortified despite the fact that they might be doing similar things themselves behind closed doors yeah. it was like oh you just you know yeah. don't talk about this don't show it we don't want to hear it and suddenly he became yeah. just scandalous don't make it public. We must mention, of course, the, the father, uh, is the Marquis of Queensbury, who was instrumental in creating the rules of boxing. Yes, indeed. And very ironic because he was known to be a very brutish and violent man and he wasn't very nice to his family, to his sons. He was very, very rough and very verbally abusive and especially to Bosey. And the, himself and Bosey were constantly at loggerheads and saying awful things to each other and threatening each other constantly. Yeah. So it was kind of ironic that a man who was so brutish and known for being so angry all the time was the one who decided that, hold on, boxing is violent and dangerous. We should put some rules containing their, their aggression and contain this sport and make it more gentlemanly. So he came up with the Queensbury rules, which, you know, everyone knows about and still are there today. But that said, David Norris didn't think much of him. <laughs> <laughs> no, David Norris is not afraid to hold, he doesn't hold his punches, that's for sure. David Norris speaks his mind and uh, yeah, he he was not a big fan or would not be a big fan of the Marquess of Queensbury and gives us a very good insight into the character of the man and indeed his family. In fact, there was one quote that stuck out in my mind, mad, bad, dangerous to know, but that was actually a description of Byron. Yes, indeed it was, so I, I think it's fitting though in this case as well. Yeah, okay, well the best thing to do actually is go along and see it for yourself on Wednesday night, as I say, I don't want to give too much away, just a taste of the massive struggle that took place between two parts of society, one man who was making us laugh at it and a powerful man on the other side who just decided that Oscar Wilde had just taken a step too far and decided to do something about it. And that's the story of Oscar Wilde and Bosey, Lord Alfred Douglas, as told in this week's Scaelta Grawn Heron, part of a six-part series to be aired every Wednesday night at half past eight on TT Car. And if you've missed any episodes, just go to the TT Cahar player. 
look up the current programme and for instance this week you'll see Robert Emmert and Sarah Curran and also the previous episode as well so don't forget Wednesday night half past eight on TG Car. Paddy O'Shea thanks for giving me a, an insight into Irish history it's, it's, it's yet another episode that shows that love causes us to make decisions that it isn't necessarily always the best for us <laughs> yes indeed yeah yeah okay Paddy O'Shea thanks a million alright Oh, it's just fantastic to see a series like that. And now is the perfect time, I think, when we're home and we want something that's different. And I know you can get stuck into all the Bridgertons and everything like that that you like. Make this part of your weekly calendar as well. You won't regret it. And next week is Queen of Artillery. Oh my God, I love it, I love it, I love it. Okay, so do you know what? We have been looking out the window here of Broadcasting House since we arrived in just after seven o'clock. And I have to say, like while we were playing some of those interviews there, a snow shower passed over the city, but now it's blazing sunshine again. And there's a Christmas tree still standing (laughs) in the studio. (laughs) There actually is. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody's touching it, you see, to take it down. Anyway, um, today is one of those days where we're going to have showers, we're going to have frosty, snowy weather and uh, get out and get your walks in while it's dry and while it's sunny and Ina Trirty suggested a fantastic piece that she uses when she's out walking she's really missing the fun of being in her own choir as well and you were saying that, uh, we were talking about that first thing in the morning and she has suggested I play a piece that she uses as part of her walking playlist when she's out walking. It's taken from the soundtrack to the musical Billy Elliot and it's the piece called Electricity. I love this one. It's so heartfelt. I'm dedicating it to everyone in stage schools everywhere. And there's a bit of music in this in the middle that you can have an old dance yourself. Can I just ask you, Billy, what does it feel like when you're dancing? I can't really explain it. I haven't got the words. It's a feeling that you can't control I suppose it's like forgetting Losing who you are But at the same time Something makes you whole It's like that there's music Playing in your ear And I'm listening And I'm listening And then I disappear and I feel a change Like a fire deep inside Something burst in me wide open Impossible to hide And suddenly I'm flying Flying like a bird Like electricity Electricity Sparks inside of me And I'm free It's a bit like being angry It's a bit like being scared Confused and all mixed up And mad as hell It's like when you've been crying And you're empty and you're full But I don't know what it is It's hard to tell It's like that there's music Playing in your ear But the music is impossible, impossible to hear But then I feel it move me Like a burning deep inside Something burst in me wide open Impossible to hide And suddenly I'm flying Flying like a bird Like electricity Electricity
and you're full But I don't know what it is It's hard to tell It's like the best music Playing in the ear But the music is impossible Impossible to hear But then I feel it move me Like a burning deep inside Something burst in me while open Impossible to hide And suddenly I'm flying Flying like a bird Like electricity Electricity Sparks inside me And I'm free I'm free Beautiful music there from the uh, soundtrack to the stage show Billy Elliot Electricity. Thanks to Ina Trudy who suggested that. It's one of the pieces she do uses for her own walking and if you wasted walking, yeah. if you wasted the chance to dance in the middle of that, well then shame on you. <laughs> anyway, I hope you've enjoyed the show this morning. We'll have the podcasts up later on today and uh, we look forward to talking to you again next week. Until Sloan. the meantime, Sloan and stay safe. Corks 96 FM and C103. The Arts House with Griffin's Potatoes Cork. Fresh, flowery and full of taste. It's at the root of what we do.